episode okay. is awesome. I love it because I love your enthusiasm about singing in the rain. And I, cause I love that movie. I wrote um, Mark and I said, it's the movie. Maybe I might've seen it the most in cinema. It's the movie I might've seen the most amount of times. Cause oh, I try wow. to see it every time it plays. It's like between that and Jaws and Casablanca, I try, I, I, yeah. I try and get out to see those ones all the time. And there's so many things that I have friends that know the line, like lines that we joke about all the time. It's just like, here we are, sunset of Camden. You know, like we're, it's just like, it's a dream. And then um, I was just thinking about, I love when you guys were talking about, um, I love that you brought up Fosse too, because when you were talking about the singing in the rain part, like the biggest part that yeah. it was funny because you talked about saving it kind of for last. Yeah. Verdon, Fosse's partner, Mm-hmm. Uh, she did a lot of the she did a lot of the some of the tap sounds that he does in to fill in because um, you, you can't tap on wet ground yeah exactly oh, so she, well. did, she she did a lot of that and also the rain they put milk in the water so that it could show more better on camera that must have smelled awful yeah the <laughs> next day right and he was sick uh, studio lights he, was, he had a goal. Yeah. So it's like like I mean, all these things against it, and they succeeded in making one of the best movies ever made. Yep. There it is. There hey. it is. Anyhow, and then we're going to talk about a couple of the best movies ever made, I guess. According okay. To people, right? uh, according to the AFI list, yes. Yeah. Um, so, like, so according to people, some people. <laughs> we've already determined that a couple of them can kind of be quietly shuffled off the list. Uh, like, <laughs> MASH was one where we were like, yeah. I heard you guys. Mm-hmm. I actually am a fan of Mash. I actually like Mash. The movie or the Ooh. show? The both. When's the last time you watched a movie? It's been a long time. Like it's problematic and so. No, so no, that's the thing. So like watching it, I thought it was like really funny, and then the problematic stuff just like kept compiling, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. and then we got to uh, Spear Chucker Jones, and I was like, oh, you right. know what? Mm-hmm, you know what? Mm-hmm, I can just, mm-hmm. I can just tap out. I I can just sit this one out. So. I think in my mind it's been so long since I've seen it that only like a certain couple things stand out. You know, like I just I love Elliot Gould and I love Don Sutherland and then I, I don't remember anything else. You know what I mean? Like I'm just kind of like yeah. <laughs> I yeah. I have like huge pockets where, and I think I'm like maybe feeling positive about it right now. But it's not because I've seen Match. It's because I saw The Long Goodbye not long ago, like like a couple weekends ago. And it's Altman and it's Elliot Gould. So I'm feeling good about them, but yeah. I maybe have to revisit. <laughs> yeah. I feel like a lot of people have very positive feelings about Altman, which I do not disagree with. I think he's mm-hmm. very good. But they then are like, well, MASH is good because he made it. Right. I'm not necessarily I, saying that you were one of those people, but when I was talking with my dad about it, he's like, it's an Altman movie. And Altman's good. And I was like, mm, okay. You said the movie was, you didn't say the movie was good. You said Altman. Yeah. I can get, I can Altman understand good. that. I can understand yeah. uh, feeling that way for sure. Yeah, there's a lot of Altman that I like, and that was mm. that was not one of them. <laughs> Sorry to say. Well, actually, I haven't. Right. I can't even remember the last time I saw it. Okay, maybe I'll watch it. Mm. And I think I'm also like I like the show, so it it's all like muddled now, you know. Yeah. I uh, I liked the show. I never actually watched the show, which is pretty funny. I never watched the show. Uh, it used would... to be on really late during the pandemic. Mm. So when I was like sleep deprived because of the terror of our world that we were living through mm. and the TV was just on, it would be on a lot. And it's I found Disney myself Plus. just kind of, oh God, it is. Well, on Canadian Disney Plus, which is. So Disney. it's probably on Hulu here. Yes. Yeah, probably. Oh shit. That'd be the, the movie mash on Disney Plus would be really wild. <laughs> they have to do oh, okay. one of those. They have to do one of those paragraph disclaimers. Uh, <laughs> you wear, were they, you hear Asian were, stereotypes. Wait, <laughs> where it takes up the whole screen. Oh my God. Basically. Yeah. So the way <laughs> we like to start with guests is we allow them the room to to pick first. So Vanya, which one do you want to discuss first? Uh, so today uh, we are covering Vertigo by the great alfred hitchcock and also we will be covering to kill a mockingbird so which one of these would you like to dive into first my daddy's podcast is called hyphenation it's the world's greatest podcast Barack Obama proof on hyphenation my daddy 
talk about all kinds of cool things. And sometimes I'm on the podcast too. Sometimes he has his friend Marcus on. Sometimes he stays up really late and he's tired the next day. But it's worth it. But he loves this podcast and I love his podcast. So I really want you to listen to Hyphenation. So Daddy doesn't get sad. He really doesn't get sad though because he has me. Alright, please listen to Hyphenation. Thanks y'all. I love the podcast. So please, please, please try to join. But if you know him. Thank you. Can we hear it now? It's like, you know, you're thinking, oh, you want an entree and then have dessert. But these are both like d- kind of dark. Oh, <laughs> so just a bit. Maybe Vertigo start with? I don't know. Sure. All right. All right. So, so Vanya, you definitely have like a wealth of film knowledge that definitely lapses me. I can definitely say that. Because mm, like, you, because you, because you host, you host like um film screenings in Toronto, right? Yeah, I have a program. I curate a, a program called Paid and Sweat. It's a kind of a sports competition celebration and sweat and cinema uh, program. Okay. And generally, those aren't new movies. They're usually movies that have already been out for some time. I think the newest movie I played was from 2010, Black Swan. So, yeah. Okay. It's a rep cinema here, independent cinema here. Okay, cool. cool. That sounds fun as hell. Yes. Exactly, (laughs) yes. Next, this week, on Thursday, I'm screening Bring It On, so. Nice, Ooh. nice. That is a classic. That is a classic. Yeah. So, what what is your history with Virgo? Vertigo, Vertigo, Vertigo um, not the Virgos. Well, shout out to the Virgos, but yeah. Vertigo, the movie. Vertigo. It's not one of the early ones of Hitchcock I saw, and I I did really feel like the reason why I watched it. I I'm trying actually, oddly enough, um, about a month ago I was like I'm gonna try and watch every film in his filmography, which is almost impossible yikes um i've seen a lot of i've seen a lot of his modern like his newer stuff but it's going to be hard for me to find the older stuff his stuff from brit his stuff from britain some of the stuff might not even be available so for me vertigo is kind of one of those films that you have you feel like you have to watch as a film buff a film enthusiast a film expert what what have you you know it's like you you kind of have to have it on in your knowledge bank because of several things that i'm sure we'll talk about but i've probably watched about uh, probably about seven or eight hitchcock films before i got around to vertigo really okay all right cat what about you so this is a movie that I think I talked in our one of our other episodes about how Pushing Daisies often uh, does a lot of takeoffs on Hitchcock stuff. Uh, Pushing Daisies, the mm-hmm. 2009 to 2011 television show. Um, <laughs> and they have a, an episode called Bitches, which is Emerson Codd, the detective on that show, uh, having a Vertigo-esque breakdown. Yeah. Uh, except it's for silly reasons. So I was like, ah, well, I know what that one's about. I can skip that one. And that's kind of where I was for a long time. Okay. Uh, and then I got into the camp of pretty much all of my friends were like, oh, you're not going to like it. It's going to be hard for you. You probably should skip this one. And I was like, okay. So I did. Wow. I, I watched would... it today. And I don't know what any of my friends were talking about. Yeah, I was going to say. I didn't, I, would... I didn't like any of the characters, but I don't think you're Hilarious. supposed to. It's <laughs> not like I came out of Psycho like being like, yeah, <laughs> kill him. Like. That's not what they're for. That's funny. Mm-hmm. This not would not have been a movie I would have said, Cat, you can easily skip it. Which is well, I'm pretty surprised your friends had that kind of reaction. So this is a movie for me that it's something that I've heard about, obviously, but I just never kind of took the time to to kind of seek it out. And kind of what this the theme of this season is revisiting AFI list, uh, certain films on AFI list, and kind of seeing, you know, does it really hold up in, in the context of 2023? And whenever we were kind of going through the list, we kind of did some randomized, but there was some stuff that we picked and choose. And this is on my watch list since I basically got Letterboxd. So uh, I've been wanting to watch this for years. And so finally got to now and gave it a five stars on Letterboxd. I was very very thoroughly impressed but Vanya, what are your initial thoughts for vertigo vertigo to me 
I, like I understand its importance. It technologically alone, photography alone, Vertigo it like yeah. moved cinema forward, right? In more than one area. In design, uh, as far as like just the titles are are concerned, the Saul Bass titles are specific. Um, in design, in like how symbolic certain things are used throughout the film, like the cohesiveness of the film is really important to the power of cinema. And then also it's the first film to use like a dolly zoom. So that changed yeah. how, you know, people make movies. Um, and I'm always impressed when a, when a one movie can like shift like technology in, yeah. in the art form. So it's, it's important for those things as far as like how I feel, how it makes me feel, how often I revisit it. It's so impressive. It's a great film, but I don't revisit it a lot. Okay. It's not because it's not good. It's just, I don't have it like, kind of like what Kat was saying. It's like the characters aren't likable, <laughs> but it's like, you know what I mean? But that doesn't mean it's not exciting or fun or whatever. I, it's incredible. Like it, what's to me, the most, the most fabulous thing about vertigo is how at the latter half the third act all of a sudden picks up it's, yeah you the know pivot is insane yeah because it's you're 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 going through and then there's like it, the pace is like keeps rising which a lot of films don't have a lot a lot of films drop off in the third act and vertigo does the exact opposite yeah which i think i is i felt that i like I was like, oh, they're laying every puzzle piece. I think I know where this is going to go. I think I know what's going to happen. And then at the last minute, I'm like, oh, my God, that's a corner piece. We're going in a different direction now. Yeah. It impressed me even more. I rewatched, like, the first half of it right before the show. And I was like, this movie with actors who did not have chemistry like this would fail. Yeah. The script is really good and really important, but also, like, that closeness that they have without that this would not land and i'm not saying that it couldn't have been other actors but that comfort with each other that they seem to have is really important yeah, yeah. and that's that's so funny because like initially when a release uh <laughs> a lot of pushback was jimmy stewart looked too old for kim novak which on one hand i mean it, it's very obvious that they're nowhere near the same age but I think I was thinking about this like uh, a while ago. I think it's a bit more susceptible that someone who is a bit uh, for the men to be a bit older, to be kind of infatuated with this kind of younger beauty. I think it's a bit easier that he would get finessed in that way because I mean, I got, I got four eyes. They work. If I see Kim Novak telling me she got haunted by a ghost, I'm gonna fucking believe that shit. So, so, so it's very easy why Jimmy Stewart got on oh, Scotty in this case. He's like, oh, oh, it's a painting. All right, yeah, let's go with, it, let's go with it. So, yeah, man. The first hour and a half is from the beginning up to the opening credits, all the way up to the actual dream sequence, which. It's fucking bugged out. It's fucking gnarly. I, I, I want to see that in a theater so bad. Yeah. I don't care if they show any other part of the movie. I just want to see that. It um, is. Yeah. It's. I have seen it in cinema, and it is something you want to see. Like, if you ever get the chance to see Vertigo in the cinema, it'll change your whole experience with it. Even just how it feels pacing-wise, it'll change the experience. It's what it was designed where it was designed to be, you know? And I know yeah. people say that yeah. all the time, but Vertigo is like, it's it. I pushed back, I think, you know, it's interesting that you're talking about your friend saying, Kat, that maybe it's one that you might not like, or, and I, I think I pushed back against it because it seemed like the film bros had kind of like claimed Vertigo <laughs> and that it's like, it wasn't like, you know, if you're a woman, you weren't supposed to like, have like there there are them the film bros telling on themselves again yeah exactly yeah. right and you think about the yeah you think about the themes in this it's kind of like oh yeah they of course you know and so you, there are certain posters like if you go to if you're like gonna date a guy or <laughs> or or, or <laughs> on all the time. <laughs> yes. if you're going to date a, a man or you see him on a on a you see his list of films on um 
a dating site or whatever, there's some things that you are red flags you want to turn the other direction. Yes. Vertigo, unfortunately, a great <laughs> film, is on that list. Uh, Ooh, it's Vertigo, it's... it's Fight Club, it's Pulp Fiction, it's Taxi Driver. You know what I mean? Like, that's I, I, I love that in Canada it's the exact same in America. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. It is. No, I, said, I, I also had Die Hard onto the list because that oh. means you're boring. Um. <laughs> I actually don't mind that. I don't mind that. But I, when I was online dating, I'll tell you another one. I started to go right to the film section of somebody's profile, and if it said Shawshank Redemption, I would be like, skip. Because no! <laughs> not because Shawshank Redemption, not because it, it's not the fault of the films. It's not because Shawshank Redemption is not good. It's because if it said there it was their favorite, I was like, oh, they, this man just learned how to feel. He just learned how to have oh, emotion, and yeah. <laughs> and oh. I don't have time to 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 be like, I've just discovered how to feel. Oh, so not the whale. Like, look at Andy and Red, they're buddies. You know what I mean? Like now I can cry. Like I don't have time for that. So I used to just skip over those those guys. Oh damn! Hold on. Hold on. So, what if it's not number one? What if it's in the top ten? But it's it's not it's not top five. What is top ten? If you had, there are so many movies. If you had to squeeze it in there for your profile, for me to see. Mm. Well, for the profile, okay. Mm. For the profile, okay. <laughs> if we're just having Are a conversation you're... and eventually it comes up, fine. If it's in your profile that you needed, you only had like certain amount of space, and that you had to force that on there. I'm sorry. You, you only had three. You had 100 characters. Shawshank had to be the 100 character. Yeah, I am being a little facetious, but kind of not. That's so funny. But Vertigo, I'm sorry. Unfortunately, that's one of the reasons why I it was like a later watch in the when I started watching Hitchcock, which was a long time ago now. But when I first started watching, it was a later watch because I felt like I didn't have access to it. You know what I mean? Like in the same yeah. way that men in the industry did. Yeah, a lot of these movies are on the AFI list. If you weren't necessarily like active on, like when I had cable, TMC. It just wasn't like that accessible. But if you're kind of like, you know, into film heavily and then you were like even like in school for film, then that's when you I know a lot of folks would have been like kind of exposed to it just kind of naturally. But for me, yeah, it was something I just heard about, but never actually, you know, took time to kind of seek out until just now. I feel like Hitch is one of those filmmakers, though, where it's like, oh, no, the men found it. And like, <laughs> then you go with, and, and you hear all these horror stories about this is how he treated Tippi Hedren, and you're like, am I a bad person for enjoying this? Like, whatever, right? right? Like, there's all these reasons that like women aren't allowed in the Alfred Hitchcock clubhouse. But I'm, and then determined. and then you get in there, and everyone's like, hi. Yeah, you know why? I am determined to take ownership over Alfred Hitchcock. That's why I want to be like an expert, you know, okay. um, because I I want to have like total ownership over it because Alfred Hitchcock is an erotic thriller director, but people oh, don't yeah. talk about him that way because, <sighs> because of the time that he was in and he had, there was resistance and he's under a code. Um, so, you know, it's not the same, but he always pushed that envelope with sexuality and like thrills. Mm-hmm. Right. So he's an erotic thriller director, but People look down on erotic thrillers, but he really is the first best one, right? And yeah. I still think of his films as that. Who are the, who consumes erotic thrillers more than any other group? Women. We are mm. the we are we're the ones that are the reasons why the erotic thrillers continue to be anything. It's us. It's Karina Longworth. She has like her podcast taught you. You must remember this. She's talking about erotic thrillers. It's women that are even keeping the erotic thrillers that already existed alive. And yeah. so when bros try to take ownership of Hitchcock, I'm like, he's ours. Actually, he's he's our he's our <laughs> director. He's making films that women would enjoy more more than men, in my opinion. And also in in the way that I feel his like his women are always dressed aspirationally like they and yeah. it is clothing that you would love to wear mm-hmm. it, it you know even when like grace kelly pulls that little nighty out of her purse and it's like the most magical thing ever you're like i want that back like clearly down, yeah. he does understand like what women want in a lot there's of ways a, there's a decadence a texture yes. the color everything that he does it's aimed at us you know that's why i'm like 
sorry, Mark, but I just, I'm saying go like, for, <laughs> like I'm, I want to take ownership or I want to, you know, men to understand that he was making movies for us, you know, like he started uh, for the girls and the days and the gays. Like yeah. we know, <laughs> we know. Yeah. And so anyway, it's interesting that he's kind of like very much a, a, a home for me, like a cinema home. I watch his films a lot. I find a lot of comfort in them most of the time. And it is, it's interesting because it's like, that genre, like, is women are the ones who find comfort in that, that genre. In the Alfred Hitchcock episode we had on March 24th titled Alfred Prefers Blondes. And then the first the first scene that we get of of uh, Kim Novak in the restaurant with the green uh, shawl, whatever it's called. And then she, like, walks to the camera, goes center frame, and is against that incredibly robust like red wallpapered background mm-hmm. and she just like sent a frame i was like alfred you did it again you son of a bitch you son, you of, son a of a bitch, bitch. you yeah. did it <laughs> like, and the way though and the what cat took what cat was saying about the clothes though too and what you're saying is the way the clothes are fit the woman how they move right yeah. it's not these you're not they're not teetering these uncomfortable costumes they look like these women can do stuff they can be capable you know even you look at grace kelly in rear window and she's in that dress and she's climbing over the fence you know what i mean it's there's he doesn't make it so she's like oh no my skirt she just does it (laughs) yeah right no one's being held back by their attire in a hitchcock film they're celebrated in their clothing He, he also seems to have a predilection to injuring men (laughs) <laughs> which I enjoy very much. Um, oh, them being broken, just being just broken. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't. I don't know if you've. I don't know if you've visited Rope recently, but Rope is like a particular favorite of mine. I love it. And that that to me is I'm like, he knew what he was doing. He was like, I'm gonna make three handsome men fight with each other, and I know exactly who's gonna like that, and all I the know. men will have to like it because it's art, but it's not for them. Hilarious. I'm working on this. I still need to watch it's Rope. It's so funny. Oh my gosh. I'm working on this little meme because there's a line that's said in, in Rope where one of them says, I've never strangled a chicken in my life. And then there's in so, in the social network, <laughs> Andrew Garfield was like, you, you're the, you printed the story about the chicken. <laughs> and, and, he, and, and then he's just like, I never printed the story about the chicken. So I'm trying to put something together there. Anyway. <laughs> Because Hitchcock Hitchcock comes up in everything. Like all of our cinema now, he pops up in a lot. I also just, in the great tradition, I feel the need to evoke the old Universal Studios commercials where he tries to entice you to go on the studio tour by being like, visit the six million dollar man and bionic (laughs) woman. And it's like the most uncomfortable. Like you can tell he's reading off the cue card. He's got one foot out of the sound booth. Like he does not want to be there. Hilarious. They like green screen him um, into stuff and it looks like he's flying. Like it's so good. Another thing I want to say about Vertigo, sorry, is just that everything that comes up about Vertigo is about obsession. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. It comes up several times in like the way people talk about it. There's a book, I think, called Obsessed with Vertigo. Yeah. In, and then Scorsese said something about the movie is about obsession, that the score is uh, based in obsession it circles back obsession is about something happening over and over again and it come coming back and so everything in vertigo is a circle or a spiral you know everything mm. right the trees yeah. the his vertigo itself so everything is about the color obsession. green yeah and so it's just everything's repeated you know she starts looking she starts looking a certain way she changes but we go back to her original look you know everything yeah. comes full circle everything's a spi- spiral it's about beauty too because it's like the fibonacci sequence which is about beauty and nature so it's all coming together flowers are a yep. thing that has that same sp- spiral it's yeah. repetitive and so inside the film it's obsessive and then outside the film it's obsessive. Like it's designed so perfectly, you know, that we are obsessing about it. It's so meta. It goes in, we're all like part of it, part of it on the outside of the film and in the outside, inside of the film. I think the thing that caught me on this rewatch is that when she is being herself, 
right? When when Madeline is, be- I guess not Madeline. When Madeline is being Madeline, but is also being like the most kind of natural. She is surrounded by green. So whether that's the green in the dress that she's wearing at Ernie's or the flowers, in those moments where she thinks nobody is watching her, she is wearing green. And as she becomes more and more aware that she is watched, it transitions into blue. And then it transitions from blue into white. And you see that when he's in the sanitarium, everything is white. He is the only color and he is wearing blue and so is Midge. And then it transitions back to green as he starts putting more Madeline on her. Like she's wearing green when he comes in, but then there's the neon and then he puts her in another green thing. And the inside of the the, uh, the department store, the inside of the department store is green. And like it all just all the awnings are green. They're surrounded by trees like it all starts Mm -hmm. building again and then ends in the white again. Mm -hmm. Can I I tell you my favorite? Well, I don't know. It's my favorite part in the movie, but I think one of the strongest reactions I had in the movie when talking about obsession and we talked about the third act and how it keeps building, keeps building to this wild conclusion. Mm-hmm. Remember when he's like, they're back in the hotel room, like she's like crying, like, you know, please don't make me, you know, she's basically begging to like not get caught in the line effectively. And so he like stops, he looks up at her hair and he says, he says, your hair color. And as soon as he said that, I was like, <laughs> This man is fucking a sicko. I said it out loud so high, like, because like, a part of me was like, okay, is he doing this because he knows that Judy is the fraud and like he's like trying to catch her? And then when he said it like that, I was like, oh no, he's just a fucking sicko. And so he's going you, like, you can't it. care about that, can you? I mean, mm-hmm. oh man, like. And, <laughs> I think that it's weird that we're all like, because we're still talking about it in the same way, and it's it is losing some of it, some power, vertigo. It's finally starting to. It's weird. We've gotten to the point where it's actually starting to taper off. Some of the energy behind vertigo is not the same. It was so mm-hmm. consistent yeah. for so long. The obsession. It's only recently started to lose some of that fire. I don't think that will last though. I think it's gonna just like have a resurgence down the road. I think Robert Downey Jr., that's the one he's remaking or want to remake, right? Yeah, we'll see about that. (laughs) I I feel like, though, if anyone can do it, it's going to be him. I don't think it should be remade, Mm. but I think that he had, like, that could be a great addition, like, post-Iron Man turn for him, in Mm. in my opinion, if he can pull it off. Pull it off. (laughs) Hey! (laughs) Uh, yeah and so i don't know i just everything from the beginning of this film yeah those those titles oh yeah so titles were that those those are a new way of doing titles vertigo yeah animated title like a moving title that's not like pieced together in the same way where it's actually created in one kind of like one motion i think it's called like kinetic something kinetic uh titling or something like that yeah and that that kind of like movement that he brought into psycho later we take it for granted all the time how we look at titles now how they move and how they're animated which was new then so we talked a little bit about the the characters and we you know we we made the kind of you know funny but kind of astute observation that no one in this movie is very much likable so is that definitely true is there no one in this film that I mean, we can root for bad guys, obviously, but is there any character in this film that we have some kind of gravitation towards as, what, as far as like, okay, I see where they're going. I'm kind of in that position before and I understand them. I liked the husband so much until we found out what the husband <laughs> actually been doing. Right. Um, <laughs> and like, I right. like that the end of that is just, well, the only other witness died. So that's just <laughs> unresolved. Like he's just out there. The end... In the original ending, they, and I'm actually kind of glad that they, well, I think it's a good thing that they left the end how they did because the end is so shocking. And and, and when the, oh my God, when, when the nun popped up like Batman, I was like, what the <laughs> fuck? What in the fuck is going on? But the original ending that they left off was, Gotti goes back to Midge's house before he enters. There's like a radio playing, like an APB radio of like, mm-hmm. We located him. He's in Europe, but we'll have no problem with him getting extradited, which, I mean, that's that's kind of a, a cheap kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But also the end is kind of to, to signify that 
even after him having this lust over this woman, he ultimately goes back to to Midge anyway, which I think that's I, I'm I'm happy that they kind of left it out because that is a bit I think a bit cheap to her character because it's like I ultimately she's Midge the consolation prize. I, I like Midge, but I think it's kind of like from his perspective, he looks at Midge as the consolation prize when yeah. she should be in fact be the prize. Yeah, but also she's just she's just not for him. And that's okay. I know that's hard for some men to understand, but it's <laughs> it's the truth. Midge, oh, Midge is hard like, for me to talk about. She she did so much to just try to make him like her, and he like yeah. never treated her more than an emotional ashtray. Yeah, and, and then also, I would say tr- truly, in my opinion, looks for reasons to be upset with her because that way he does not have to look internally. Like, she painted that portrait to try to make him laugh about the insanity of this project that he's doing. And instead I, of having any grace about it at all, he he just is so mean to her. And, like, that little breakdown that she has after, I was like, girl, you need one <laughs> female friend. You need one female friend. She's going to come over and be like, first of all, that bra science is amazing. Tell me all about it. Second yes. of all, leave him. Like, I know you're not dating, but you can, like, leave him. You can, like, change your locks. You can have him not just walk into your apartment and leave with your cups sometimes. <laughs> he takes his cocktail in the cup out to his car. I will say this, though. That painting does have me running the other direction. Like, I, like it's so, <laughs> it's such a Twilight Zone moment. Like, I'm just like, <gasps> like, I felt like I had Virgo when I saw it. I was like, no! bitch don't do this to me like you're so it's so jarring like yeah you're right if she had one girlfriend before she did that painting like what was she thinking or there would have been a girlfriend that came over that would have been like this what have you done get rid of this immediately (laughs) I, i think though that there is something though about like when he was on the force when he was a real detective this is something they would have laughed about and it would be really funny that he's right. on the case of this woman who thinks she's this like so she's she's trying to appeal to the person he was even before the accident and i think she thinks that might try to that might bring him back a little bit right because yeah. she doesn't like, like the direction he's trying to go and maybe that's misguided well clearly it's misguided but he's super misguided so i don't know if too misguided makes a guided but you know whatever <laughs> right. uh that she's she's trying to make fun of the situation that he's in now and almost kind of snap him out of it. You know, and I think you're right. And I, I do think I'm projecting some of my own thing. I remember I had a friend, he got into a bike accident and the thing I gave him was a poster of like an old ad of a bike accident. No. Like, that I thought it was animated and it was like really cool. It's from the 60s and I thought it would be really funny when we were laughing, but it was too soon. Oh, so I had no. I, I had a bit of I had a vision of midgitis because I was just like, hey, hey, guy, look at this accident. Anyway, um, too soon. <laughs> and so maybe I'm feeling that pain for Midge, like stop yourself. But I also I think I like the women in this. I like Madeline. I know. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Whole, de- whole deceptive situation. But. You know, but also she was doing a job. Yeah, exactly. And men, she can gaslight me any day. But also, (laughs) it's increasingly clear as it goes on that it's not safe for her to come clean because when he he figures, like, first of all, he just starts like taking over her life. But then, like, I think somewhere along the line, she must have realized if I let him know about this, he is gonna take me up to there. And yeah. like I, I very possibly throw off. me off. Like, I, I thought that's what we were leading to. I was I was kind of well, surprised. I don't know. I feel like you I'm really disturbed. Part of me is like I, I had to check myself. I'm like, what's wrong with you in your brain that when he was like yelling at her and he had her, you know, was holding yeah. her and he was like, You're a real apt pupil. You're an apt pupil. And he repeated it more than once. And I was like, Am I horny? No, okay. Um <laughs> We have a horny sound effect. It's going over that, boy. Boing! And then I was just like, no, no, you're healthy. You're healthy. No, I'm no kidding. Everyone had clear boundaries set up ahead of time. There is a situation in which that might be attractive. 
Right, exactly. Sa- if you have a safe word, if you yep. know. The safe word is available, Ferguson. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like you know, she's she's built like a cello. And yes. <laughs> she's like. I pluck that string. Oh. <laughs> but she, but I was like, why am I kind of like, what's going on? And then I think it might have been like, it's 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 my it's a wonderful life getting in there. You know what I mean? It's like the mixing. Yeah. I mean, for for me, I was like, he's going to get up there and he's going to enact saving her to let it go. Right. But then there's a part of me that's like, he's going to fuck it up somehow and she's going to fall. And one thing that I think is really interesting is that you don't see his hands or arms at all in the shot of the realizing the nun is there. Mm -hmm. Ooh. And so you only see the, the very top corner of the suit and you hear the scream. So if he just went like pop and didn't move his elbow enough, he might have pushed her. She might have jumped. There's really no way to know. And that's really I mean, that's not even clever filmmaking, I think. Which is, yeah. I know Hitchcock does that, but like Yeah. I, but I saw that and I was like, okay. He he's, you're kinda like you keep putting yourself in these situations. I mean, I mean, you know, Scotty, man, Scotty, the cop, you, the, the cop in the beginning, he left. I'm like, Scotty, you kind of just keep putting yourself here. You know what I mean? Just stop this. Yeah. You gotta stop going up to tall places, please. <laughs> Maybe chill you with that. For reason. You have heard before reason. Sir. <laughs> it's a blessing, not a curse. So I did like, I like Madeline too. Like I'm, I just, I think that she really but she really really wanted to feel something she wanted to have that she wanted him to be loved for herself you know and you can't really deny somebody that it's it's yeah. she's still a great real, a good character to me so we talked we talked about the nun we talked about kind of that building piece of the film that that led to that incredible third act did you guys have any moment when you first watched this that visually you did kind of not fall for the tricks because that's a little bit dismissive, but were there like any parts where like the kind of artistic stylings of the film kind of worked on you? Because the when I watched the scene where when they're in the bookstore and they're talking and then it gets darker and darker, I, I was like, am I having a stroke? Like what the, <laughs> I, I like, I overwound it. I was like, is it just me or is this happening? And so, and like Vanya was saying, like, if you see this in a movie theater, you obviously can't rewind. And so that is what Hitchcock was purposefully building in that scene. And then with a lot of like the, the, the shifting kind of eye lines and the, the moving scale of everything, like, He's purposely trying to keep you off tilt. So they're going through basically what Scott is going through. Uh, but was any one, any part of the movie that you guys, like the very first time you watched it, you're like, okay, I think I actually am getting vertigo right now. I think mm. in a similar vein, they do a thing sometimes in the car where the back mm. windshield goes really in and out of focus mm-hmm. and sometimes can get like a little darker or brighter or like sharper really yeah. quickly and i don't think i noticed it the first time except for that sense of unease but the mm-hmm. second time i was like i think that's why because yeah. it almost creates a zoom effect right mm-hmm. yeah where it brings your attention to stuff that is just not different so you you end up focusing really hard on jimmy stewart's like eyes because the area around his head mm-hmm. is now kind of fuzzed and that yeah. makes you kind of really not pay attention as much to what's happening. It makes you look exactly where he wants you to look. Yeah. And I think that's also a great way to do car scenes because after the he only starts doing it on like the third or fourth one, okay. which is the other thing I think is kind of mm-hmm. interesting because mm-hmm. the first couple are very straight up the middle. So you don't even notice when it starts getting funky. There is yeah. an incredible amount of driving in this movie. <laughs> yes. yes this should yeah. be is it should this be called drive and um, so it's like <laughs> oh, whoa yes. i was just like no one ever stops driving in this movie I was just like, this movie is actually it. the reason there's climate change just greenhouse emissions so much driving yes seven miles per gallon before we do the pivot any any last thoughts that we have about 
Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo. Watch Pushing Daisies on Max. The more people that watch it, uh, the more likely it is that they'll do something with it again. So uh, the oh, episode that is Max, the- Max, Max. I, I don't like it either, but it is where that thing lives now. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, if, we, I don't... if we don't watch things on Max, it will get pulled. So, uh, yeah. Dis- Disney Plus just pulled a bunch of my favorite like behind-the-scenes content off because they didn't want to have to keep paying licensing to themselves. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm yeah. so mad. I think that's so crummy. They have a really... They have a really great series called Prop Culture where they're just going through their archives and talking about different movie props from different films that they've made. And it's like the car from the Muppet movie is one of them. Like some of them are like real movies and that's just gone now. Mm. Like they have one of the stop motion puppets from Nightmare Before Christmas and they never released it on DVD. So it wasn't like I could go buy it. Yeah. If they did, I would have. Yeah. I always say to people, if you want more Hitchcock, if you were running out of Hitchcock, Watch the Palma, Obsession, Dress to Kill, Body Double. He has a movie named Obsession, and Vertigo is all about Obsession. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So something that I've really been big on the last year is, especially if something's on print, definitely find a way to, to go see it. There's a theater in Austin that does print screenings for different movies every now and then that kind of come through. That, that, that's how I saw, and that's why I saw After Hours on print oh, on Mother's Day, because Austin was screening it. So if there's any, like, print, if there's any, like, regular screening of Vertigo in theater, I would highly recommend seeing it. And if there's, like, a print screening, I would get on that ASAP as soon as Ticket Go and Sell for, because I would love to see this on print. What up, you mutant miscreants? It is I, Oroko Saki, aka The Shredder, here to tell you about the Shredhead podcast, starring me, The Shredder, and my best friend, my main brain, the brains of the outfit I'm talking about, Krang. Krang is there. He's my producer. We have a podcast. It's utterly ridiculous. It's an insane premise. Uh, to top it all off, I... I haven't even seen the Ninja Turtles in years, but we're primarily talking about hoops. Yes, the national, the national BA, the W national BA. Um, Oh, damn it, I've run into the lyrics, I'm sorry. But just check out the Shredhead podcast. It's me, it's Krang, it's crazy. Excuse me, Mr. Ewell, I'm very busy. Hey, Captain, I... Somebody told me just now that uh, they thought that you believed Tom Robinson's story again, Iron. You know what I said? I said you wrong, man. You dead wrong. Mr. Finch ain't taking this story against Iron. Well, they was wrong, wasn't they? I've been appointed to defend Tom Robinson. Now that he's been charged, that's what I intend to do. You've taken his story. Excuse me, Mr. Ewell. What kind of man are you? So, I have a confession, guys. I went to public school, so I did not read To Kill a Mockingbird. Uh, but I've, I've heard about it, obviously. Public school? I mean, well, in public school in Canada and America, you know. It's, 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 uh, <laughs> they, they, yeah. they make they may care about y'all a little bit more they care about us uh, but uh, so this is like a movie that a movie and book i should say that mm-hmm. really kind of build as one of the american greats basically mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so both the novel and the actual movie and sure. so i'm interested for your guys thoughts on it because i think for me the kind of lofty expectations I was kind of expecting a little bit more of it, even though I would say that I like the film. So, Vanya, do you want to kind of kick us off with what are your thoughts on To Kill a Mockingbird? Mm, like, revisiting this, because I, re- I rewatched it yesterday. And I read the book when I was in high school. And then I and then I saw, I think we watched the movie, too, that at that t- same time. And it's, uh, it, it's, it's a good movie. It's good. It's great. But it's also, like, I feel different about it now. Okay. Um, I didn't have the language to say this is a, to yell out at my class. This is a white savior movie. Like I couldn't, Ooh. I couldn't say, <laughs> I couldn't say that when I was a teenager. Yeah. Um, when I was 15 years old, but it definitely is. It doesn't mean that it's not good. It doesn't mean that. Yeah. 
that the performances are not good, that it's not made well. It doesn't mean that I didn't have any good feelings about it. It's just that they're particularly the ending. I was like unsettled by in the, at the very end. Um, But yeah, I love a black and white film. That's like (laughs) when people make black and white now, sometimes, and it didn't, I mean, they were making color when, by the time they were making, they're making color and black and white at the same time. But I just love like shadowy. I I say make as many shadows as possible. I want to know if I can't even see something in a room, I rather that than soft black and white. So it's really refreshing whenever you go back to like an older black and white movie and see how well they did it. But yeah, it's, it's great. Gregory Peck's awesome. This is like his Oscar, right? Yeah. Yeah. And the kids are, the kids are also really good. Yeah. The kids are great. From what I understand, it's pretty, it's close to the book. Like, from what yeah. I remember, I won't talk about my issue. Obviously, we'll get into that, but it's a yeah. good, it's a well-made film. Yeah. One of the things that I picked up on from the jump, and I did not pick up on this in the book at all, because I, I read the book, like, again, five years ago or so. Oh. Okay. In the movie, I very much get the sense that Atticus almost like doesn't want to take this job, but is more yeah. taking taking this job to show that he is a good lawyer and will do the right lawyer thing than yeah. he is for any common good feeling. Apparently that is confirmed in Ghost at a Watchman, right? Mm-hmm. Where he's like, I need to be a good lawyer and a good man. That does not mean I'm not a white man from Alabama. Yeah. Which I think that conflict that he has in himself and is also trying to be a single father and is also trying to set a good example for his kids so they can be better than he is. But also he's like, God, I got to do this thing. Even if he like believes in it. Right. Which I think he does, but like, I don't think that he is doing it because he believes in it. I think he is doing it because it is like the lawyerly thing to do. But I think all of that in the way that that is really like subtly acted through Gregory Peck's like little little moments right where so the kids go inside and you just see him on the porch for a split second and you just see him go like huh mm-hmm. yeah he's got a lot of those little moments where I'm just like all right also I would eat you with a spoon respectfully hilarious <laughs> um, am I I'm, I'm actually mm-hmm. I'm aware that he was Roman Catholic and like whatever uh so i probably shouldn't say that it might offend his sensibilities but you know what i mean hilarious uh and i mean he is fine fine (laughs) just putting that out there you two can have him you two can have him (laughs) am i and with the glasses too the glasses Uh, (laughs) uh, uh. i mean he has broad shoulders yeah you know yeah he's like six three i think he was a good head of hair he's got that voice yeah the voice the voice is this the Gregory Peck hour? Like, what? <laughs> it is. I mean, it is his show. You know, it is his show. Is, is that not Touché. what the movie is? Touche. Also, Touché. the the play like is just Jeff yeah. Daniels doing that. Like, mm-hmm. there's a, a Broadway play that gets brought out every yeah. couple of years, and it's it's basically the exact same script, mm-hmm. but just with Jeff Daniels being the Atticus Fintrell. And apparently, yeah, he does the, it very differently, but is also apparently quite good. It's the the Aaron Sorkin adaptation, I think. Oh wow. Ugh, fuck. Mm. <laughs> I have complicated feelings on that whole uh, yeah. situation, but that's fine. Sure. All right, all right. In my letterbox review for To Kill a Mockingbird, I wrote, uh, partially what I wrote. Early in the film, I felt Atticus teetering between dignity and passivity, as an example of being a strong man in character, not in strength. And a father is easy to see Atticus as the hero. And so I definitely agree as far as like that piece of source, like he's doing his job and he's setting an example for his children that if you're going to commit to doing something, you need to do it to that extent. But if you like watching this film, if you would ask me what is kind of politics even beyond that, I would have just, well, one, assumed for where he was at the time. Uh, not necessarily beneficial to people that look like me and Vanya, uh, but I think looking at him in his role, I would be a bit, I would say he's a bit neutral on kind of like what race politics actually are for the time and for what his position is. And it's sad to say, that's kind of the best of you can ask of a white man at the time period. And, but the thing From is, that area, yeah. 
Yeah, but, but yeah. the bar is on the floor. The bar is in hell. So it's like, so, you know, I think he's definitely dignified. And I think he definitely shows, especially at the end, when he shows Thomas's family, you know, that respect of like visiting them at night. That's kind of one thing. But I think if it's kind of beyond that, it gets a little bit, it gets a little bit kind of, I would say neutral for him. No, he says, Scout does ask him, why are you doing it then? And he, he he does say, well, basically, I'm doing it for you to show you that this example, you know, that you have to stand up for things. You have to do the you you do the right thing. You know what I mean? He is doing it partially just for them. I mean, it's not altruistic. Right. But that's okay. but also that's his job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But also, yeah. like, I think that there's a weird hopefulness right in that where he's clearly like, even though he maybe doesn't believe in all that, like in, in this, right. If he, he might be a racist piece of shit. We don't know, but he is trying to set an example for his kids to be better than he was. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. that there is a time, especially in America, but kind of all over the world where people stopped doing that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I think were that's you... how a lot of this stuff is folding back in on itself in terms of what people think of any minority group. Right. The way yeah. that men and women, men and women of color, queer people, whatever, like let's leave Florida is a great example, is because people are not trying to be better for the next generation anymore. They're just kind of like, well, got mine and I'm going to defend it. And that's mm-hmm. where the wheels fall off. Atticus I do wonder is... if Atticus set two big shoes for everyone else to fill. <laughs> hmm. The thing is, I feel like he's doing, he's not really doing anything extraordinary really he really isn't and that i think is what's fascinating about it it seems like it's extraordinary but it really shouldn't be he's doing what's par for the course do your job you're a defense attorney defend people who need defending and do it to uh, the best of your yeah to the best of your ability use your skill be competent believe in what your work is you don't even have to believe in the thing. You just have to believe in your case. I feel like it's interesting because at the end, I do one of the things I do love about do love about the end is when he says, We're so close. Like, like that they had a chance. Like I yeah. like that moment where he's like, he's he's been already, he kind of assumed that people would go against him and he's already been making a plan. He's already ahead on what he wants to do next. You know, yeah. he knows the he knows what he's up against. He knows the he knows the people he's surrounded by, and he's already been like, okay, I'm gonna have to appeal probably. I'm gonna do this, and I'm gonna do that. So he's thinking steps ahead, which is what he should be doing. And yeah. he's just so disappointed that he didn't have a chance. I love that moment, and uh, part of the reason why I love that moment is I also hate that moment because I'm always like, yeah. I think to myself, Atticus, obviously Tom didn't run. Yeah, they just I, killed him. <laughs> absolutely, yes. Like, you know absolutely. what I mean? They straight up just killed him and then pretended that he ran. And he's just like, he ran, even though it's said to him. It's like, well, you know, just say it. They just so, did it. People went out of their way to make sure that he didn't get the chance to enact his plan. Exactly. Yeah. I think for me, the most interesting part of the film is the end. When we get to the end, and I'm reflecting on the movie, I'm reflecting on you know, Atticus and Tom, and I can see how in Atticus' kids' eyes, Atticus is a hero, but to me, the real hero of the film is Boo. Boo is the only yep. person who actually has action, and while I do think that Atticus is a very dignified and noble person because he is trying to fulfill his duty, ultimately, kind of what Vanya said, like, he is not ultimately successful. Uh, but Boo, uh, <laughs> Boo, <laughs> Boo, in the eyes of the movie, he, he's fucking Superman. <laughs> so he's like saving these kids' lives. He, were, even though he doesn't do this piece on purpose, he avenges Thomas's death. And through action, he's actually accomplishing things. Through Atticus, though, it's mm. a little bit more on the passive side. So... I was really interested in that kind of dynamic to where the, the sheriff was like, well, we don't want to bring attention to, to Boo is going to be the cameras and my wife going to give him ass and yellow cake. Like, no, give him, the, give him the man his yellow cake. He deserved it. So Yeah, but he doesn't want that and he's yeah. never wanted that. Well, I, yeah. I, I do think, uh, to me, the two people that stand out as like stepping outside of comfort is Jem, 
Mm-hmm. And and Tom, Jem, when he stands up to his dad and he's like, I'm not leaving. Yeah. Even he's scared, but yeah. he he stands his ground and he knows that this could be like he can get in like a, he has there's a lot of consequences he can face in that moment. And he does it several times. It's not like he, you know, it's not like he asked him to leave one time and then and then he had to say no one time, you know, once. Yeah. He has to say it, you know, like I think two, three times. And I always I love that moment. I know that Scout seems like she's like the, you know, but to me, Jem, like he, the way he talks, the way he's firm, the way how many times he has to stop her from fighting, he has to, he has a lot of responsibility, that kid. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he's gets so hurt too because of it. And he goes with his dad back. He knows that that's going to be an uncomfortable situation. He's seen stuff that Scout hasn't seen. It's funny that Jem is not talked about more. Mm. Um, and then of course Tom to like be able to have such to be able to be so calm during that trial is incredible. Like you know yeah. how deep he has to dig to be able to handle it with everything that's happening with such grace. Yeah. Like that's it's really difficult. Yeah. Um, definitely. definitely. And so to me those when I watched it this time they stood out to me more. Tom's performance is great. Yeah, Brock Peters is awesome. Yeah. And she said to. Just step on the chair yonder and get that box down from on top of the shiffer rope. So I done like she told me, and I was reaching. When the next thing I know, she grabbed me around the legs. She scared me so bad, I hopped down and turned the chair over. That was the only thing. Only furniture disturbed in the room, Mr. Finch. I swear, when I left it. And what happened after you turned the chair over? Tom, you've sworn to tell the whole truth. Will you do it? What happened after that? Mr. Finch. I got down off the chair and I turned around. <laughs> she sort of jumped on me. She hugged me around the waist. She reached up and kissed me on the face. She said she'd never kissed a grown man before and she might as well kiss me. She says for me to kiss her back. I said, Miss Mayhella, let me out of here. And I tried to run. Mr. Ewell cussed at her from the window. He said he's going to kill her. Do you know that he did Gregory Peck's eulogy when he died? Oh, wow. I, I did, yeah. I just looked that up because I was like thirsty for Gregory Peck, so I decided <laughs> to do some research. Yeah. Oh, shit. And for, all, in all respects, he was a pretty stand-up guy. The one thing he did that you would say that is, like, unsavory is he had, apparently had an affair with Ingrid Bergman, but I'm like, who could stop him? Like, who, I mean, who could How could you not? How could you not? I told that to a friend today at breakfast, and she said, if I were his wife, I'd be like, the only thing I would say is, why didn't you invite me? Yeah. <laughs> I, I want a, a personalized collection of nudie postcards of your torrid affair, or you can't have it. Um, so, so in detail, what happened when you walked in the door? Oh, okay, a little bit slower. Okay. But, you know, I mean, that's a tough one. I don't know. I, I could resist her. Anyway. But uh, for me, the end is, it's really difficult. The ending is really difficult for me. Yeah, um, um, for a moment, I thought he was going to get acquitted. And I was like, if this happens, I'm going to have to give this like a two star. <laughs> like, but I'm, I'm very, ha- well, uh, I, I was going to say I'm happy they kept it real. But <laughs> it's, it's very sad that they kept it real. But it's, it's even they sadder. Needed- yeah, it's even sadder that they needed to be that honest because... I mean, there's no way like he would not have, he would not have been found innocent because I mean, ultimately, his, his crime was he was still 
a black man in the South in America. So uh, he was going to be guilty of that regardless. But have you guys watched much of Gregory Peck outside of this? Because this is, I don't remember him in Cape Fear, but I haven't seen Cape Fear in like decades. So Yeah, I've seen Cape Fear and uh, obviously like I love um, Roman Holiday and I've seen Boys of Brazil too. Yeah, he's good. He's just solid. He's always good. I, I'm mostly a Roman Holiday person. And then I, I've now watched a couple of clips of him in an in interview fashion for no particular reason. Um, mm, <laughs> research purposes. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Research, yeah. Some tasty research. Um. All right. All right. He's in The Omen. I haven't watched it. I don't think I've ever watched The Omen. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and the omen. It's good. It's the good. omen rocks. Yeah, you should watch that. It's good. Yeah, yeah, he's great. Um I mean he's just like his stature he, and everything is awesome. He also, he also famously act. famously hated Richard Nixon. Love that oh, after us. That. Yes. Um, uh was con- deeply considering running against him uh yeah. for oh, California shit. governorship for a while. Love that. Yeah, I think people thought, like, he didn't really want to get into the politics thing, but I think people thought he could win, like, later, yeah. uh, you know, like, when the Reagan era, like, right? Because he's like, oh, yeah. Did he? He, I um, mean, yeah. Uh, so, so it's like, oh, you know, too bad. <laughs> but you know why? You know why? He didn't have the ego. And that's why he's the way he is. That's why we like him. It's like, yeah, we like him because we like him for the reasons he didn't be, go into politics. Really? Yeah. You know, I, I just, would pay millions upon millions of dollars to know what that man thought of Nancy Reagan. I mean, he, he, I mean, I know he had an opinion. I mean, he may have got more than an opinion. I mean, mm. he, may, <laughs> he might, he might have gotten STI. Um, I mean, he may have gotten the 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 first toppy, the first. <laughs> I doubt he was the first Mark Rob. Well, well, touche, touche. It's one one small toppy for man, one large <laughs> sloppy for mankind. Oh. <laughs> Wow. Uh, that, that that can be the name of the episode, but I wish it was the name of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, man. Cat, this is actually not it's not the last episode of the season, but this is actually for right now the last set of films on AF Island that we're gonna review for the season. I think we hit a lot of bangers. So let me Brian, let me let me kind of go through just I'm gonna sprint through just a couple that we actually watched. Obviously, Killer Mockingbird, Vertigo. Obviously, Singing in the Ring, Sunset Boulevard. Uh, oh, we did uh, we did Frankenstein, uh, 1931's Frankenstein. We didn't do Double Indemnity for the pod, right? I just did that personally. Oh, we did. Um, I've also done that one personally this year, though. So uh, yes. Uh, we did uh, Place in the Sun. Uh, we did Third Man. Uh, we did. Oh well, we did Mash, unfortunately. Um, uh, we were going to do All Quiet on Western Front, but I, I caught that one, so I thought that was that was pretty good. The uh, the 1930 version, we caught that one. Uh, we did uh, Wuthering Heights. We did Doctor Strange Love. Uh, we did North by Northwest. Rear Window. Banger. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. Uh, all, all about Eve and our oh. first two All about Eve and something like it hot. We also so. didn't do the Treasure of the Sierra Madre for an episode, but I did end up finishing it because my rental was gonna run out. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, we we're gonna it do. Grapes, we're gonna do. We we're gonna do Grapes of Wrath. Uh, I, I really like Grapes of Wrath. I think I think Grapes of Wrath is probably the best thing I've watched this year. So the new movies I watched. I think that's like my favorite watch of the year so far. And I think that was basically it from the season so far. So I think ultimately, if I had to kind of sum up, like even those list of movies that we watched and a lot of them, like my first time watch. And it's so funny because because Kat, there's this guy uh, that uh, me and Vanya, like we'll do like Twitter spaces and uh, this kid, uh, Kobe, uh, he... He, he says that he refuses uh, at one point he says he just has no interest in watching anything older than the 1980s 
Um, so, so like ninety percent, ninety five percent of the season has been clearly older than that. So, yeah. Um, I, I didn't think there's a lot of gems that they still hold up to yeah. to today. The one that I least like, other than Nash, was Wuthering Heights. But I still see that it was an effective movie, even though I had like a little bit of like um, a little bit of problems with it. But ultimately, it was still a decent watch, I would say. If you've enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, rate us five stars, leave a review, and tell a friend to tell a friend. Follow cat at cat underscore chin at t on Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Follow Marcus at show and mad love, S-H-O-W-I-N-M-A-D-L-O-V, on Twitter and Letterboxd. Follow the show on Twitter at Cat and Mark. This podcast is executive produced by Kellen Conley and Eric Greenlee. Thanks for listening. We should do this again sometime. This is a hyphen podcast production. Are you not entertained? Happy Pride Month, fuckers.